Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Finding Dad Bod, where my dad, Coach Alex Van Houten, puts his 14 years of experience to work for you. You should listen to him. Here's pretty beast mode. Who knows who we could be if we could become 1% better every single day. What's up, guys? This is Alex Van Houten with Defining Dad Bod. I hope you're doing super well. You're listening to Season 3, Episode 40 of Defining Dad Bod. We're talking about upgrading your brain. This episode has been brought to you by the Better Daily Group. Work hard to become 1% better every single day, but don't do it alone. Go to definingdadbod.com slash betterdaily to join our awesome app with exclusive health and fitness resources, an amazing community, and live workshops and coaching events. In the online space, there really is no way to get more out of your screen time. Go to definingdadbod.com slash betterdaily. Join our upcoming Faithful 40 Challenge and get your body ready for summer. And more importantly, let's stay that way too. DefiningDadBot.com slash BetterDaily. I'm really excited about this episode because two and a half years ago, I started a series on this show about exercise in the brain, but for a number of reasons, I wasn't able to finish it. We never got to talk about exercise's role in diminishing anxiety or the benefits to the developing brain of our children. And so we're picking it back up, and I know you'll get a lot out of it. Before we get there, here's your food for thought. My food for thought for you today comes from a conversation that Jocko Willink recently had with Jordan Peterson on the Jordan B. Peterson podcast. If you don't know Jocko Willink, Jocko Willink is the writer of the book Discipline Equals Freedom and many others, where he uses his experiences as a Navy SEAL and Navy SEAL Task Force Commander to teach lessons about leadership, business, and even parenting. But he said something that I thought was really interesting in his conversation with Dr. Peterson. See, it turns out that to be a Navy SEAL officer, Jocko had to go to college. And so at age 28, they made him go to university, and he majored in English. You might think that's a strange major for somebody whose job on a regular basis is literally to lead a group of men to fight the bad guys. But it turns out it was extremely important to Jocko that he learn how to read effectively and to communicate effectively, since by and large, his role as a Navy SEAL platoon commander and later as a task force commander was to act as an intermediary between those under his command and those up the chain of command. He was explaining how his experience and what he learned through his degree allowed him to get better promotions for the men under him, write better operation proposals, and to deeply understand the command's issue from those above him and to give him the tools he needed in order to effectively negotiate with those issuing those commands. The basic gist was, 
if you can write your thoughts down powerfully, then you can become unstoppable. Now, what the heck does this have to do with health and fitness? Well, I found this to be the case in my health and fitness coaching practice, and it's a simple exercise you can do at home as well. Take 10 minutes and imagine your health and fitness heaven. That is to say, if you did everything right over the next couple of years, what would that look like from a health and fitness perspective? Would you see something different when you looked in the mirror? Would your clothes fit differently? Would your pantry and your fridge look a little bit different? Would mealtimes change from what they look like now? Would you have more energy? Would you have less pain? What obstacles would you remove from doing the things that you enjoy doing? Take 10 minutes and write that down. If I did everything right, my health and fitness heaven looks like this. And then do the opposite. Envision your life a few years from now. If all of your bad habits got the better of you, what's going to happen if you don't change the way that you eat right now? What's the worst that could happen if you stop practicing your exercise discipline? What about the stressful demands on your life or the negative way you're regulating your emotions right now? What might happen to your family if your bad habits get passed on to them? Take 10 minutes and write it down. My health and fitness hell looks like this. While this exercise is a little bit difficult and takes some time and maybe some writing ability, you get out of it what you put into it. If you can articulate your health and fitness heaven, and if you can articulate your health and fitness hell, and not only do you picture it in your own mind, but you can read it on paper, then you can be unstoppable when it comes to pursuing better in your life. Not only will you have something to shoot for and something to run away from, but you'll be able to express to those who are important to you what it is that you're aiming at and what it is, come hell or high water, you're not going to let your life devolve into. As Jocko Willink and Dr. Jordan Peterson were talking about the role of writing in organizing our motivations and our thoughts, I couldn't help but think of the many lives that have been transformed by starting with this activity in my coaching process. I've written down my health and fitness heaven and hell, and if you're interested, share with me what you write, and I'll send you mine. I look forward to hearing your thoughts at Coach Al at DefiningDadBod.com. That's your food for thought today. I hope it gives you something to munch on. Now, without further ado, let's talk about upgrading your brain through your exercise practice. When we think exercise, we think muscles, we think skeletal system, we think tendons and ligaments, we think heart and lungs and bloodstream. We think burning fat, but we don't think much about the space between our ears. I mean, when was the last time you talked to somebody in the gym doing curls in the squat rack and they tell you, oh yeah, this is a great arm workout, but I'm really exercising my brain. That's the thing you don't see. And while a vehement argument might be made that if exercise helps to enhance the brain, then the guy doing curls in the squat rack needs more of it, there's a lot of truth to the statement that regular exercise affects the brain powerfully, positively, and in ways we don't quite understand yet. But let's talk about some of the practical wisdom about why our brains matter with regard to our health and fitness. First, the perfect exercise, nutrition, and lifestyle program does not matter if you can't follow it. What does the brain have to do with that? Well, first, your brain is your source of willpower. If your brain's in great health and everything's working like it's supposed to, you can choose to eat what you know you should be eating, rather than eating the stuff you know you shouldn't be eating, but you just can't help it. Similarly, how much cardio do you feel like you're going to be doing if you feel depressed? What about that feeling of overwhelming energy and creativity and excitement that we can see so fresh in our children? 
But when we look in the mirror, it's kind of like the world's a little bit gray, and we wonder where all that enthusiasm went. Do you think you might be more excited about your health and fitness program if your brain was in a great place to bring you some of that enthusiasm and energy? What about some ADHD? Your program says you should do these 10 exercises for three sets of 10 repetitions. But you lack the attention and get pretty bored after about three exercises, and so you don't even see it through. Or what about the stress that you feel in your giant to-do list that you have to get done today? How is that keeping you from doing the workouts that you know you need to be doing, and eating the food that you know you should be spending time preparing, when instead you skip the gym and grab a protein bar with a bunch of garbage in it to get to your giant to-do list that's been stressing you out? One of the reasons your brain matters is that the health of the structure of your brain allows you to follow a perfect program. It allows you to create the applied behaviors that you're going to need in order to stick to a program for a long period of time. One of the things that I ask all of my brand new clients to do in the very beginning of their program is to start counting their sugars. Every single thing that goes into your face, you need to tally the grams of sugar that just went into your face. For this reason, some of my clients call me the sugar Nazi. But is it your biceps or your heart health that allow you to think, hmm, how many grams of sugar is in this? Let me look at the ingredients label real quick. Is it bulging six-pack abs or better cardiorespiratory fitness that begins to build in you an intuitive understanding of the things in your life that have way more sugar than you should be eating? Is it your physical ability to squat without pain that makes you diligently create a grocery list and spend some time cooking your own food at home so that you don't have to eat the sugar that's out there. No, 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 and no. A healthy brain allows you the ability to learn and the ability to turn behaviors into habits so that you can act out your perfect program every single day. And in the fitness industry, that's what we call a magic bullet. If there was a way to create the perfect program for clients and to help them to perfectly implement that in their life so that they got amazing results that they sustain for the long term, then whoever invented that silver bullet would be a billionaire. And what I'm telling you about your brain and your ability to create new neurons and to learn new behaviors and to have the willpower required to create new habits, that is a magic bullet. And so your brain matters because the perfect program does not matter if you can't follow it. The next reason the brain matters is life independence. Now I'm going to ask you to take a really long-term view for me, and bear with me because this is not something many people will ask you to do. But in my career as a personal trainer in the last 13 years, I spent the first eight years of it working almost exclusively with women over age 50. And something that I learned from women over age 50 is that many times they are in the process of taking care of their aging parents. Now, there are a lot of conversations that we could have about taking care of your aging parents. However, the one thing that stood out very starkly to me while working with those women as they spoke about taking care of their aging parents is that the health of the brain of their parents significantly impacted the amount of stress that they were under. There were some ladies who would describe their mom as being all there, a pleasant person to talk to, somebody that you're happy to do things for and excited when she comes to visit for Christmas. Sure, she's getting older, but she's an inspiration. And then there were other ladies who had described their moms by saying, there's nothing more stressful than getting a call at 11 p.m. because your mom doesn't know where she's at, 
and is mad at you for not coming to visit, even though you didn't have a visit planned. The big difference between these two types of conversations that I would have in my sessions with these ladies is that one group's parents had brains that were in great health. Sure, they weren't 20 anymore, but they weren't confused when they walked outside, or regularly forgetting best friends that they've had for all of their life. Whereas the stress and the anguish in the other group came from parents whose brains were on decline in their health, and they seemed to be losing their independence more and more every week. And that loss of independence increased their dependence on their children. It was a brutal thing to watch from afar, and my heart really went out to my clients. But it really got me thinking about health and fitness. What does the body matter if the mind can't hang? What do washboard abs and increased cardiorespiratory fitness and great metabolisms do for you if every day you're having trouble remembering, you're having trouble orienting, you're unable to learn, and you're generally just a burden on all of the people around you? And that experience convinced me that yes, weight training was important for musculoskeletal health, and yes, cardiorespiratory exercise is very important to ensure a healthy fat-burning metabolism and to stave off ischemic heart disease. But none of that matters if the brain isn't in good health and you lose your independence later on in life. Your brain matters in your health and fitness because it is the foundation of your personal independence. There will likely be a time in every single one of our lives where we have to lean on our family members a little more than we would like to. But if exercise can help our brains and therefore help us to maintain our independence as long as possible, then perhaps there are things we can be doing right now to decrease the burden we have on our children and grandchildren in the future. The third reason why the brain matters is it is the great equalizer. In order to understand what that means, it'll help us to go to the other side of the timeline of life and talk about childhood development. There was a fascinating meta-analysis done by the California Department of Education recently, and they looked at grade outcomes at the elementary level compared to things like socioeconomic status of the parents, BMI of the child, aerobic fitness of the child, number of gym classes taught in school, incidence of malnutrition, attendance to Head Start, gender differences, and so on and so forth. In this meta-analysis, they looked at thousands of research studies done at the elementary level for children, and once they sifted through all the data, there were two metrics that were very highly correlated with whether or not elementary children were able to learn how to read well, were able to perform arithmetic well, were able to perform well on science tests, and able to perform on cognitive function or problem-solving tasks. And the two factors that they found were correlated most highly with outcomes in elementary children was not socioeconomic status, was not gender, and was not even dependent on if one or two parents were in the household. BMI, body mass index, and aerobic fitness were the two most highly correlated factors with great outcomes in elementary children. What does that mean? It means that the health and fitness of the body, even in childhood, affects the health and fitness of the brain. And this is especially powerful to me in my story, growing up in a single-parent household below the poverty line. I got picked on for wearing wrinkled hand-me-down clothes. I missed out on field trips that my family couldn't pay for. 
and I often looked around at the world around me and wondered why everybody else had a dad and I didn't. But I played every sport I could get my hands on, and I was heavily into kickboxing. And it's so powerful for me as an adult to read about a study that suggests, in the words of the researchers, that the effects of health and fitness on the brain are the great equalizer. It seems to transcend the socioeconomic status. In fact, the effect is so monumental that in the research it transcends whether or not you're poor, whether or not both parents are in the house, or whether or not you have the, quote, opportunities that other people might have that might give them the leg up in the grades world. And that could very well hold true for things like promotions at work, or the ability to manage your money well, and your social interactions with your community, your spouse, and your kids. If exercise can affect the function of the brain, and the brain helps you excel in many other avenues in life, even more so than opportunities created by things like socioeconomic status, then the ability to affect the brain through exercise really is the great equalizer of our time. So here in part one, in talking about why the brain matters in your own personal health and fitness journey, we're going to take a 10,000-foot view approach to understanding some of the very basic changes that happen in the brain both during and after exercise and accumulate over time so that we can know how anxiety, depression, ADHD, Alzheimer's, stress, confidence, and even grades can be deeply affected by the exercise that we perform because of the changes that it creates in our brain. And in future episodes of Exercise in the Brain, we're going to tackle very specific subjects to understand how exercise changes and morphs the brain to help us with regard to things like depression, ADHD, anxiety, and more. So I've been talking about why the brain matters. Let's take a bit to talk about how exercise actually affects the brain. We're going to focus on three very specific areas where exercise influences the brain deeply. And as I alluded to earlier, there's a lot more to it than this, but these are the starting points. First, exercise balances the neurotransmitters that make up our brain signals. There are four major neurotransmitters that we're going to talk about here. That's GABA, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce for you what that stands for. Serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine. Now, these neurotransmitters are largely a mystery to us with regard to the science of the brain. However, in the research, they've taken on certain characteristics to really help us understand how they might function with regard to each other. For instance, serotonin has been called the policeman of the brain. As the policeman of the brain, its job is to keep other neurotransmitters in check and to keep things running smoothly. If the brain has a lack of serotonin, then things like irritability, aggressiveness, depression, anxiety, and even general malaise might manifest themselves since the policeman of the brain can't keep everything in check. Or another example is dopamine, and dopamine's been called the motivating neurotransmitter. If you were hungry and you looked up and you saw an apple tree, 200 yards away, then you'd get a small hit of dopamine, which is your brain signaling that, hey, that would be an important thing to pursue when you're hungry. You'd trudge along for a little bit, looking at the ground, and then look up again and see that the apple tree has gotten closer. And boom, another hit of dopamine tells you that you should keep moving toward that apple tree. There's a reward there for you. And so you finally make it to the apple tree, you pick up an apple, you're so hungry, and you get a huge shot of dopamine that says, Great job. That's exactly what you came here for. But the health and fitness of the brain is not exactly 
keeping serotonin high or keeping dopamine high in order that you function well, are nice and motivated, and your neurotransmitters are policed. Instead, what's important about neurotransmitters with regard to you and your personal health and fitness for your brain is that your neurotransmitters exist in balance. You have certain levels of GABA, serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine that make you feel like the best version of yourself. And mine might look a little bit different from that. And so the answer for powerful health in the brain is not exactly just to raise or lower one specific neurotransmitter. Like in the case of depression, an SSRI might be prescribed in order to elevate the amount of serotonin in the brain. And for a period of time, that can be really helpful to get over a particularly depressing time in life. But exercise doesn't work like an SSRI in the sense that it's going to elevate serotonin and make you feel less depressed. Instead, exercise seems to rebalance neurotransmitters so that you can come back to your normal baseline of your best self. Your GABA, your serotonin, your norepinephrine, and dopamine after exercise all seem to exist in a nice homeostatic balance. And every time you exercise, particularly in the vein of cardiorespiratory exercise, you get a nice rebalancing effect on your neurotransmitters. And in that way, from day to day and week to week, as you exist as the best version of yourself from a neurotransmitter perspective, you can make good decisions and feel energetic and be inspired and motivated and excited about the things in life that are worth being inspired, motivated, and excited about. And while we'll talk about these neurotransmitters more individually, in future episodes of Exercise in the Brain, it's just important right now that you understand that with regard to the brain, exercise balances neurotransmitters, and in that way helps you experience the best version of you. The next thing that exercise does for the brain is it increases something called BDNF. That's brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Now, BDNF is not necessarily classified as a neurotransmitter. It's more like a bundle of proteins that allow cells to do things they wouldn't be able to do otherwise. BDNF is exceptionally important because it allows brain cells to sprout new connections with other brain cells, and that process is an extremely important part of memory and learning. Dr. Rady calls it in his book, The Miracle Grow of the Brain. And exercise increases the amount of that miracle grow. After about of 20 to 30 minutes of cardiorespiratory exercise, that is running around the block, hiking up a mountain, going for a bike ride, dragging your toddler, you get a nice uptick of BDNF in the brain, which actually increases your nerves' ability to connect with each other. And that translates to you learning your job in a way that accelerates you toward a promotion or getting better at counting the amount of sugar that you eat in order to regulate your insulin and drop the body fat you'd like to drop. It also allows the areas of the brain that should be connected in order to reduce anxiety to work more efficiently. For instance, there's a portion of your brain called your hippocampus, which has many jobs, but one of the jobs is to regulate the function of the amygdala. If your amygdala is allowed to do whatever it wants, then you're going to be a stressed out, anxious mess all of the time. And so, if your hippocampus has the ability to make new connections with BDNF, then your hippocampus is going to do a much better job of regulating your amygdala, and therefore reducing the amount of anxiety you feel with regard to the stress in your life. I often joke with my clients, I know your kids can be big stressors to you sometimes, and I can't get rid of them. However, what we can do is teach your brain to be much better at regulating the stress that they put you under. 
and in that way, you'll be a much better mom. So exercise increases BDNF, the miracle grow of the brain. And that's a very good thing, no matter what kind of mental issues you might be dealing with. The last thing that we'll talk about today with regard to exercise in the brain is that exercise increases the neurogenesis that happens in the brain. Neuro being new nerve cells, genesis being the creation of. So neurogenesis is the creation of new cells in the brain. Now, if you're like me, then 20 years ago, certain people in your life told you that watching TV was going to kill your brain cells, and you don't get any more of those, so you should probably limit the amount of TV you watch. Now, I don't know whether or not watching TV kills brain cells, and there are arguments to be made about how screen time might be affecting the linguistic development centers of our children's brains and the ability to do creative things. But that's not the conversation we're having today. Ten years ago, studies were done on cancer patients where they injected radioactive dye into the body in order to detect tumors. The increased metabolic activity of the tumors made the radioactive dye congregate there, and so researchers were able to find the tumors themselves through this kind of imaging. The other thing that researchers found on these cancer patients is that a lot of the radioactive dye congregated in the hippocampus, and what that meant was that new nerve cells were being generated at that level of the brain, and it blew the lid off of one of the biggest myths, and that is that you only start out with a certain number of brain cells, and then you spend the rest of your life trying not to kill them off. Further research has been done since then to suggest that we're creating new brain cells every single day. And exercise might actually significantly increase the amount of new brain cells that we create every day. Now, it might not be true of everything, but in the case of the brain, more cells is always better. More brain cells lets you learn new things. More brain cells increases the density of different brain structures that allow you to perform complex tasks. More nerve cells gives your brain the opportunity to adapt to your life as it's happening right now. The nerve cells that already exist and are already part of a network of learned material can't really move anywhere. And so, if you're going to get any better at your squat, or if you're going to get any better at learning a new language, or if you're going to learn how to better relate to your teenage daughter, you're going to need some new nerve cells. And despite the claims of some supplement companies, there hasn't been a limitless pill created thus far. And so your best bet to create the best brain that you can possibly have is to become a brain cell producing machine. And the only way we know how to boost that is through exercise. So the brain matters. And exercise affects the brain very deeply at the level of balancing neurotransmitters, increasing BDNF, and increasing neurogenesis. There are many more effects that we're going to talk about over the course of this series. However, I want to end part one with a conversation about where cardiorespiratory fitness and weight training fit into these effects on the brain. It turns out that the vast majority of the positive benefits on the brain with regard to exercise come from cardiorespiratory fitness. In other words, cardio exercise, like going for a run, riding a bike, going swimming, hiking a mountain, doing the row machine, doing lots of burpees, these seem to have a disproportionately powerful effect on things like balancing neurotransmitters increasing BDNF, and increasing neurogenesis. That is, pound for pound, if you do 30 minutes of cardio training versus 30 minutes of weight training, there seems to be a more profound positive benefit for your brain from the cardio training 
rather than the weight training. And while reading through the research, you might be tempted to think that cardiovascular physical fitness is the most important and most powerful part of any health and fitness regimen. I mean, if the brain is a significantly important part of your health and fitness, and your heart is, then it's very clear that cardiorespiratory fitness is superior to strength training. Or some might say that cardio is more important than weight training. And many experts in exercise physiology, psychology, neuroscience, and beyond have argued that point pretty exhaustively. While being a strong advocate for weight training, both for my personal proclivity and my experience with clients themselves, I was challenged to think about this pretty deeply. And I was struck with two very real obstacles with regard to cardiorespiratory fitness. The first is that cardiorespiratory fitness is, in its essence, a repetitious movement. Running, cycling, rowing, swimming, they require the same muscles and the same joints to do the same movement over and over and over and over again. These repetitious movements ad nauseum create the opportunity for many injuries to occur in cardiorespiratory fitness. I don't know how many runners have told me, oh yeah, I get plantar fasciitis, or I have to roll my AT bands, or my hips and my back start to hurt, or how many cyclists have told me, yeah, my hip flexors are really tight and my pelvis rolls forward, or how many avid tennis players have told me that their shoulders are in really rough spots and they're going to have to have rotator cuff surgery. The second limitation of cardiorespiratory physical fitness is that those repetitious movements not only create injuries pretty often, but they also create imbalances. For instance, a cyclist will often be hip flexor dominant, where their hip flexors are shortened because of the nature of the movement of a bike. The hip flexors being shortened often also increases the length of the abdominal muscles while shortening the length of the low back muscles and rendering the hamstrings much tighter than usual. All that to say, somebody who spends hours and hours cycling might get increased BDNF, better balanced neurotransmitters, and increased neurogenesis, but then suffer from back pain, tight hamstrings, and have to stop cycling eventually, and all of those benefits go by the wayside. And so with those two truths in mind, if the brain is extremely important because the perfect program doesn't matter if you can't follow it, it helps with your life independence, and it's the great equalizer, and if cardiorespiratory physical fitness is the most prominent and powerful effect on the brain, then strength training forms the foundation that allows people to continue pursuing cardiorespiratory physical fitness and therefore a healthier brain. What I'm saying is that strength training should be done in a way that allows us to do cardiorespiratory fitness without injury and while improving the postural abnormalities that we create from repetitious movement. Well, you might say, well, hey, wait a minute. There are weight training exercises like circuit style training or CrossFit style wads that actually challenge the cardiorespiratory system. Won't those affect the brain positively and be the best thing we can be doing? Well, yes, that's a good thought. That is a possibility. And in previous shows, I've addressed why I'm particularly interested in keeping cardio cardio and weights weights from a programming perspective. But this episode is not a time to have that discussion. What I hope you take away is that with regard to brain health and fitness, cardiorespiratory exercise has powerful and profound impacts on our brain structure and function. And without resistance training, then cardiorespiratory exercise will likely result in some sort of injury and developing muscular imbalances. And if we care to continue to take good care of our brain, then resistance training needs to be implemented in a way 
that allows us to continue to do cardiorespiratory fitness without undue pain and without undue injury. And with that being said, let me point out that I said most of the benefits for the brain come from cardiorespiratory fitness. We'll actually find in the dementia and Alzheimer's parts of this series that new skills learned in resistance training can be a powerful part of staving off dementia and Alzheimer's. But for now, I think I've given you plenty to chew on. And so in summary, in health and fitness, many people think of only the adaptations that happen in the muscles, the tendons, the ligaments, the body composition, or maybe even the heart and the lungs. But in this series, Exercise in the Brain, we're going to be focusing on how exercise impacts the structure and function of the brain. This matters because the brain deeply affects our life independence, our ability to transcend hierarchies, and the ability to affect change because of the perfect programs that perhaps might come about someday. In future episodes, we're going to talk about stress, anxiety, depression, ADHD, Alzheimer's, and more, and I'm excited to talk to you about what balancing neurotransmitters, increasing BDNF, and increasing neurogenesis might do to help us with those things. And lastly, when you're thinking about how this might work in real life, we're going to use resistance training to stave off injuries and create a great foundation for the cardiorespiratory physical fitness that's going to allow us to affect our brain positively. And if this was a lot for you to take, I suggest you hop on the treadmill for about 20 minutes and then listen to it again. Maybe that increased BDNF will help it all stick. I'm very excited to continue exploring this topic with you, and I can't wait for it to be practically applied in your life to become a better version of you. This has been Alex Van Houten with Defining Dad Bod. Until then, guys, kick butt, take names. The free, practical advice and conversations here remain unbought and unbiased, thanks to the support of Better Daily. If this episode has been helpful to you, share it with someone in your life who you know it will benefit. Then, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a raving review to tell others what value Defining DadBot has brought to your health and fitness journey. Finally, if you're struggling for betterment, don't do it alone. We all have a cross to carry, and it's lighter when we do it together. Go to definingdadbod.com slash betterdaily to get supported, challenged, and inspired to take yourself to the next level. Who knows who we could be if we could become 1% better every single day. Go to definingdadbod.com slash betterdaily today. That's definingdadbod.com slash betterdaily.